0: Learn the most empowering hiring techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with your host, Rick Gerard.
1: How do you hire people when you have no money? While this might seem like an impossible task, the truth is it is not as difficult as you might think. It starts by understanding what is important to the individual, then connecting their desire to the value of your opportunity. Now compensation comes in a lot of different forms and money is just one piece of the equation. Professional growth, challenging work, strong leadership, mission, purpose, mentorship, and equity are also forms of compensation. The most powerful form of compensation that you can offer is the one thing that is most important to the individual that you need to hire. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win-win the strongest people. We do so by sharing insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Mr. William Glass. Now, William is the co-founder and CEO of Ostrich. And that is a financial habit building app that uses community and social accountability to help people achieve their financial goals. In addition, William is the host of Silicon Alley podcasts, focusing on telling entrepreneurs' stories and learning from their experiences. His background is in software sales leading teams at Gardner and then opening up new vertical for an AI startup, Ramesh. In 2014, he was awarded the Fulbright Scholarship through the U.S. State Department, where he taught English in rural Thailand. William holds a BA in international relations from Rollins College in Winter Park, Florida. He is originally from Alabama and now resides in Queens, New York, which is what makes William the perfect expert for today's topic. William, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today.
0: Thanks, Rick. I'm excited to be here. appreciate you having me on.
1: Yeah, it's great to have you on. Living in Queens probably doesn't make you a great expert for today's topic, but you are building a startup and you've been scrappy and been doing what we're talking about today.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely living in New York City uh, as a founder, not paying yourself. You've got to be very tight when it comes to capital. Um, So yes, definitely scrappy is the key word there, Rick.
1: So very true. Today, we're going to talk about how to hire strong people without money. And then we're going to outline the steps that you took and maybe some steps that I took in order for me to build a startup and you to build a startup when you're not cash flush. (laughs) Sound like a plan?
0: Yeah, that sounds great. And had a lot of similarity in our story, so it'd be great to dive into that.
1: Let's talk a little bit about your challenge. Tell me the story behind you taking off.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so, just a little little context. So, Ostrich, we've developed a financial habit building app and we're focusing on college students. And I'm a first time founder. My co founder is also a first time founder, and neither one of us are technical. And so building a software company as non-technical founders um, is definitely a challenge, especially being first-time founders. So you don't have as many options um, as other folks that might be technical and know how to code, or if, you've been, or if you're have if you a repeat founder, it's a lot easier to raise capital. Um, so our struggle was how do we build a minimum viable product um, as first-time founders, non-technical, without really any cash?
1: That's a huge thing. I meet a lot of people at of networking events that are trying to found it. Like I have this great idea. I'm trying to build a company and finding that technical person is the albatross. I think that <laughs> we all struggle with. Yes. Yes. That's the advice. Or that thorn in the side, so to speak. You had to start thinking about, okay, look at, we need to get this product built. What did you do?
0: Yeah. So like, uh, as you mentioned, Rick, kind of that, Key thing is, can you find somebody that is technical that you can bring on as a co-founder? Um, but we'd also heard stories of founders that had brought on the wrong, you know, person that they'd met at a, at a one of these networking events and they'd known each other for two months and it ended up just being that they weren't aligned. It's hard to, it's like you're getting married for 10 years after, you know, two months or the first couple dates. Um, but at the same time, the other option of being, you know, go outsource and, and build, uh, spend a lot of money to go get somebody else to build a product was not something that was we were super excited about, but we were sort of going down that path, um, and ended up finding a technical advisor, somebody who um, kind of advised us in the direction of using no code to start with. So the concept was, how far can we get along without having to build anything, um, or using tools that I could learn and my co-founder could learn to at least get some proof points that would put us in a better position to. One, know exactly what we should be building, and then two, be able to bring on customers, raise capital, um, and and grow from there.
1: So you're talking about building your MVP out in no-code? Exactly, exactly.
0: And so that's
1: what we did. What is no-code for people who don't know what it is? Yeah, great question. So no-code is exactly what it sounds like. The
0: idea is building software without having to write code. So if you're familiar with some of the big website builders like Wix or Squarespace, um, there's these types of platforms that allow you to sort of drag and drop components to create software, but they've got these that are now, you're able to do this for web applications as well as mobile apps. And so that's what we looked at was one of these tools. Um, and Specifically, we actually used AppGyver, which is a completely free tool um, and allows you to build mobile apps and web apps in one sort of design, which is really cool.
1: And there's another one called Bubble, I think, right?
0: Yes, Bubble's the other big one. We looked at Bubble and this was three or four years ago and there were a couple things that Bubble couldn't do um, that turned us away from Bubble, but otherwise we probably would have gone with Bubble.
1: I went down that same route, by the way. I started looking into code solutions and then I still couldn't get anything working the way I wanted to. So luckily for me, I had been consistently talking to people and trying to figure out the solution of bringing our team on board or getting really solid engineer on board to, to drive things for me. Yeah.
0: That's a smart way to go about it. We, yeah, we, we went the no code round and then found out there were a couple of things that we needed for our MVP that uh, the no code tools wouldn't actually be able to accomplish, which brings us to sort of our hiring journey. Yeah. Um, like push notifications. It was something where like app enabled them, but you couldn't, you, you had to actually know how to code to like work with um, work with Apple, Apple's push notification system and Google's push notification system. And so we ended up having to bring somebody on anyway to help us figure out how to solve that problem with our MVP.
1: You brought on somebody as a technical advisor and they helped you kind of work through the kinks of getting this thing built out. What were the advantages of that?
0: Yeah, I think having somebody that really knows what they're doing is is very helpful steered us in the right direction because we were focusing on the wrong things we were very much thinking about like well what should we write code in and what should we you know how do we build all of these things and um his name is yotam hadas who's our technical advisor he's the um, svp of engineering at electric which is a big firm here in, in new york city um startup and essentially he was like if you cannot build it Think of every way not to build something. You can find a way to not build software. That's what you should do. That's what we do internally as an engineer and as a technical leader is, do we actually need to build this thing that we think we need to build? Because it is very time intensive, expensive, and there's always bugs and trade-offs for having to build software. So if we can find stuff that's pre-built, that's the way to go.
1: Well, it seems like that's what our world has turned into, reusable code.
0: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And then the second piece is, as we needed somebody to help us build out, uh, extend the no code tool to build our MVP, he was able to help steer us in the right direction as to like, who should we be, who should we bring on? What does this engineer look like? Like they should be a full stack engineer. They should have a certain level of expertise, um, and really help to sort of like vet, because if you're not technical, anybody that can do very basic coding probably sounds really, really smart, but they may not actually be a fit for what you need. Um, And so Yotam was really helpful in directing us in the right direction and making sure that we knew who and what we were looking for in uh, the proper candidate.
1: And I'm sure he helped you vet that person as well. So did you technically vet the person? He did, yes. You started with a technical advisor. Great way to look at it. It allows you to, when you have a technical advisor, to be able to take your time and develop a relationship and maybe get a working view of that person. Not only that, but they also get to understand what your product is and what you're trying to build and what the mission is to see whether or not you're in alignment.
0: Yes, exactly, exactly. And so, yeah, YoTam actually helped us. Then we, we got a referral um, through this platform that we're using to the developer that we ended up bringing on, and Tam helped us vet that person, um, and that was really, really helpful. Um, and you know, we brought somebody on in that sort of trial capacity, right? Just helping us do this one project. Um, and that's how we ended up bringing on that first uh, that first lead engineer. Um, and we did actually pay them. So we did have a little bit of capital set aside to extend the MVP. Um, and we brought them on, on a, a contract consulting basis.
1: You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Girard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional content and resources and a link to order your copy of Healing Career Wounds. Let that be your secret weapon to landing the strongest people. We're talking to William Glass. William is the founder and CEO of Ostrich. And we're discussing how to hire with very, very little money. That's something as entrepreneurs we all have to do. What's interesting is I've come across so many people that get held up on the fact, well, I don't have money to pay somebody. There's plenty of people who are willing to help when you ask them for help. But also, there's other forms of compensation. There's other ways to get people attracted to your company that are more important to them than the money, especially since everybody these days, they all have side hustles going.
0: They do, yes. Yes, a lot of side hustles. And people, like, you know, you think about the great resignation and and uh, all all that we're hearing on that front. People just want to do something meaningful with their time and with their life. So, like, it's not just you know, side hustles for side hustle purpose. There's obviously, I think, a financial component behind the side hustles, but there's also like a I want to do something that's meaningful and, you know, excites me.
1: And your opportunity, by the way, is for the right person, is that opportunity. Your company that you're building for the right person, again, you got to kiss a few frogs to get there. But once you get to that point, you have these conversations, somebody's going to lean in and be able to say, hey, look, this is exactly what I want to do. Yeah,
0: you're, you're spot on there, Rick. We kissed a frog to say the least. I think I talked to 30 different dev shops initially when we were trying to figure out how to build this thing and like, you know, got all kinds of quotes and every model that you've ever, that you've ever seen. And we we ended up through, you know, through happenstance, being able to connect with somebody who really understood the mission and vision of what we were building. Um, And that was kind of the key unlock because once you're aligned on that front, then you can figure out. Compensation side and all that, but it's more like if you're not aligned on the vision mission for a product, the rest doesn't matter, then it is just a you're hiring a a mercenary, not a missionary.
1: So, walk me through the steps that you took to get this person on board with you. Yeah, so
0: as I mentioned, we ended up getting a referral. We had Yotam um, vet vet them, so the person we brought on was Stephen, uh, Stephen Collins, who Um, is a full stack engineer, has a lot of expertise and happen to have expertise in in finance, um, building like financial enterprise software. So that was actually really helpful given what we're doing in fintech. Um, And we went through this contracting process initially where he worked on a couple things to help us extend that no code version. And it became pretty clear after we got the product in market and got some feedback that we were onto something, but that the no code tool wasn't going to, like, we weren't going to be able to get much further with it and that we really needed to build a solution from the ground up. And so that's where we just had an open line of communication and, and spoke to him about that of saying, hey, like we really like working with you. We need to build this thing from scratch. Is this something that you're interested in? And also just to be fully transparent, like we don't have a we don't have a bunch of capital. We haven't raised a bunch of money at this point. So we're not really in the position to like bring somebody on full time, but are you interested in working with us in some capacity? Um, so just being fully transparent as to where we were was sort of the key thing that I think opened the door. Um, and this was after we'd had enough conversations to see that he was really bought into what we were what we were building.
1: And it's a lot of those conversations. So where was the value for him? He must have seen some value where he's like, "Hey, look at I want to do this, and here's why."
0: Yeah. So there's a couple things. One, we were sort of pushing him a little bit out of his comfort zone. So like he had all the the technical skills, but he hadn't built anything on the mobile front before. So that was something that was new. And we were willing to, one, you know, have him kind of learn with us. He understood. So we use React, React Native. So React, he's very familiar with. React Native is an extension for mobile, um, and it's just a code language for those that aren't familiar. And so essentially, we were like, we know that you're going to have to learn some of this stuff on the fly. You're interested in learning it. Um, and we're willing to like work with you on that front. So for him, one was he'd actually get to work on a new um, a new area, a new language that he hadn't worked on before, which was exciting. Um, two, he was aligned in the, in the mission. So like, he has five kids and has experienced the challenges with debt and understood the pain that we were solving firsthand. And I think that that really resonated with him, wanting to have others, you know, not end up in situations that he had to work through himself.
1: So you're solving two problems for him, right? He's getting career growth. He's able to learn something new and be pushed outside of his comfort zone, which, by the way, most A players want. So if you can show them that path or give them that ability to grow professionally, boom, they resonate with that. And then you're also, you have, he's bought into the problem that you're solving because he's experienced that problem. Exactly. Both like super, super powerful tools. And I'm sure it took you a while to find that up, but he probably conveyed that to you. Like, hey, look at I've gone through this. I see what we're doing here. I see where the value is. I want to work on this.
0: Yes, exactly, exactly. And what's funny though, is part of the reason why he was so drawn to it was also one of the reasons why he, he couldn't just quit his his job and you know work with us is because he did have five kids that he needed to support too. So like it was both the connection point, but also one thing that we had to work through in terms of bringing him on um, in, a, in a in a full-time capacity eventually um, and recognizing that he couldn't just not get paid for a while, even on a part-time salary, and that we just weren't in a position to support that. But yeah, that alignment, I think, was, was absolutely key, but also one of the key challenges that we had to overcome.
1: Well, if you stuck it through that hard part, that's usually the biggest challenge. Again, if you're not paying somebody what they're used to being paid, they might get paid in other compensation methods. Equity is usually the biggest play that most of us, what we have to offer when we bring somebody on board. But I feel like you did it right from the perspective of you actually had somebody to pay them on a project, bring them along kind of slowly, develop that working relationship first, rather than, oh, you have this experience. And that's where a lot of non-technical founders get in trouble is that you told me you could build this And then they just jump into bed with that person. And next thing you know, it's the disaster.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that that kind of period where we both got to work with each other, I think was really helpful um, and was sort of the key thing that put us in that position because we had an open line of communication. And one of the key things that actually gave us the insight of how we could develop the solution, which I'll talk a little bit about like what we actually did a little more tactically for the listeners, was he, uh, we were referred. And so somebody else had been working with him on another project. And so we we just asked some questions around like how he was working with them and found out that like he, they had also, they had done something where they put him on a profit share for part of the project um, because they also didn't have a bunch of capital. Um, And so we, it sort of gave us this insight, like he might be open to alternative solutions And that gave us the confidence, one, to bring it up and also just be very transparent about like, here's here's where we are. We want to bring you on full-time long-term. Like the goal is to bring you in to to be our lead engineer Um, and let's work towards that. In the meantime, um, how do we actually continue to work together? And that's where we started using some of these things. Um, Equity is obviously the most obvious place where a lot of people start. Um, But what we actually did was we took it from the perspective that we want him to be a full-time member of the team. So let's start there. And like, what are the metrics that we can support a full-time salary? And let's actually start there. So like, what would that look like? And we actually built that out. And then we um, talked through, okay, well, we're not here yet, but this is where we're working from financial metrics perspective. So how do we continue to work together? Uh, you've already got a contract fee, right? like we know what your your hourly rate is. Um, And we have this inkling that, you know, you've done profit share. Well, we want to do something better than that. Let's do revenue share because who knows when we'll make a profit. Um, It's very easy from like a business perspective to like kind of mess with that. I think that was something that he wasn't really aware of and thinking about. Like if you're not familiar with these terms, the difference between profit and revenue share may not mean anything, but they actually are very, very different and very important when you're structuring kind of an agreement. Um, And so, and so what we did uh, so what we did, Rick, was we actually um, continued to track his hourly rate in the interim. So he was banking hours, essentially. Um, and we were paying, we agreed to pay this back on a revenue share basis. So out of every you know $100, $5 goes back to pay back those hours. Perfect. Is how we structured the agreement. And then at the same time, we still did equities. And that vesting schedule started as soon as we signed the contract, not when he converted to a full-time employee. So that was the benefit is that like you're going to continue to work with us. You'll start to earn equity right away. And we're still going to pay you for the work that you're putting in. Um, it's just going to be on a revenue share basis so that we can make sure the fundamentals of the business are sound um, before you know, we actually are able to, to, to pay those
1: that out. That's super creative from a revenue share perspective. What about funding? Did you guys receive any funding or are you primarily just bootstrapping right now?
0: Yeah. So we, we did receive funding. Um, so we did raise some money from AARP, believe it or not, as a, uh, even though we're focused on much younger demographic, they believe in our mission and mission aligned. So they, they wrote a, a small check into the company and then we raised, um, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars in total. Um, and so that allowed us to then actually continue to work with, with Steven, um, you know, and, changed our agreement, right? So we had these triggering mechanisms and um, that allowed us to, to continue to work
1: with them. This is what I'm talking about, creativity. The important part was you did this vetting first, that you made sure that you had the right person on board.
0: That's the key. You don't want to do this with anyone. There's, otherwise, it's, you know, what's the point? So it's really making sure that you're aligned there. And that project really allowed us to see strengths, weaknesses. Um, and then, you know, kind of go from there in terms of whether we wanted to bring Steven on and identify him that he would be a really strong fit for our culture and what we're building.
1: So with my technical co-founder, cause I'm non-technical founder as well. I had created this thing called an expectations doc years ago where I actually have conversation and we work through this document together. Like what is it that you want out of your career? Where are you are looking to go? What's important to you? Run a company together what are your expectations of me? What are my expectations of you? It takes a little time going through it. I went through it with probably half a dozen people. And really quickly, we figured out we were not on the same path. We were going down two totally different rivers. But it's good because I got it out of the way very quickly. Rather than going downstream with somebody and then finding out that, hey, look, I'm not really on board this boat. I'm just kind of doing it to help you out. People want to help out and they want to be nice and when you get to those hard things, you really need somebody who's going to start paddling through the rapids with you as well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I would love to get a copy of that of what you've worked on. I think we <laughs> did that. My co-founder and I did that. But I think it's something that we should probably revisit and then say with, you know, with everyone. It makes so much sense because you're just, transparency is key and that communication is key.
1: And in the conversation, that first conversation that you have, you have to ask the right questions to make sure that you're understanding what's important to them. Now, I don't think that we do that, especially as founders. We want to sell our product and get somebody on board to build it. I had to fight myself on that. Yes. And then when I started talking to engineers that could code, similar thing. We did a little, hey, let's work on this one little project and let's see how that pans out. And Luckily, we found a really good team who really bought into us. That's awesome. We're launching our product today. Congratulations. <laughs> Yay.
0: That's exciting. I know you've been working hard on that and went down the no code or explored the no code path similar to what we did as well. And uh, it sound, sounds like you, you figured out you've got the right team on board. So.
1: so far, I tend to be really impatient because I want to get things done quickly. But I've had to fight myself on that whole thing because I want to make sure that I'm doing it properly. And we're going to mess up, but the least amount of mess ups as possible is, is what you want to be able to hit
0: yeah absolutely I think yeah you hear the like move fast and break things which is you know that's the what the Facebook motto and is very much uh, uh, a trope in the uh, startup scene but it doesn't necessarily work that way when it comes to hiring people um,
1: no, it doesn't at all
0: you don't really want to move fast and break things because uh, you're dealing with real relationships and your company are the people that you've got around you, so it's really important
1: to get that right I don't agree with that the but- break things at all within your organization, especially when you're a small startup and you're just a few people. So if you bring in the wrong person and it breaks everything, then what's going to happen? What happens if your good people leave and you're stuck with the bad person? You know what I mean? It's just, ugh, yeah, that just makes me cringe.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think one of the things that, and, I, and you might be familiar, you're probably familiar with this, Rick, but like Buffer, um, they've got like a transparent salary model where you can go right now, if you Google Buffer salary, you could see what every single person in the company makes. Um, And that's something that we have adopted as well. Now we only have a handful of people on the team. So, and it's, we've not made public as they So it's available to anyone that we're interviewing, hiring, uh, as well as any employee in the company. Um, And I think that's also something that's really been helpful is that like, you can see on a spreadsheet, like, who's getting paid what and you know why they're why they're getting paid what they're getting paid and the idea is to remove some of the biases as well as some of that like um you know the is somebody you know so and so getting paid more than me and that kind of like culture where you could end up actually creating negative um negative outcomes and, ne- and creating a negative culture if people are not sure um and don't necessarily trust each other when it comes to finances and um, salary finances specifically. And that's what I experienced in the sales side, which is much more common there, but we just carried it over because, you know, you always hear so-and-so might be making a little bit more. People always speculate how much they're making and we remove all of that. Um, so that there's none of that sort of, um, internal uh, struggle that exists in, in what we're building.
1: Well, here's the truth. People talk. If, if you think everything's confidential and nobody knows what each other's making, you're kidding yourself. Yeah. They do anyway. They do. Yeah. We're getting pretty close on time, William. What would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience that can plug into their business today?
0: Yeah, so I think um, when you're hiring someone, if there's alignment from a mission perspective and desire to work together, come up with creative solutions. Um, I think that's a a key thing. There are definitely creative solutions that you can continue to work together. And that might look similar to what we did at Ostrich. It could look very different. Um, It's all going to be situational. But if there is that desire, get creative. Um, I think the second one is uh, ask tough questions. So if only through like strong communication and being open and honest about where we were from a financial perspective as a company, as well as asking about the needs of Steven, who we brought on, were we able to actually find a solution? So being able to ask tough questions and then being very transparent about where you are, because um, ultimately like you're bringing this person on to help further your mission, vision company, and you want them to be a part of what you're building long-term. Um, so being transparent and open, I think, is is key. So I'd say those are the those are the kind of takeaways for the audience.
1: William, thanks so much for your time and investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of the audience can find you, your app, all that good stuff? Yeah.
0: So you can visit getostrich.com. So G-E-T-O-S-T-R-I-C-H.com. Uh, you can email me at william at um, And yeah, would love to connect. Happy to talk about personal finance, startups, hiring, um, and just love to give back to other people that are building really awesome, amazing things. Um, and I really appreciate you having me on, Rick. This has been a lot of fun.
1: Dude, it's been great to have you. I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share after all this shows for you. So we want to continue to bring you valuable content week after week. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at higher, H-I-R-E, power, P-O-W-E-R, radio, dot com, Or you can drop me an email at, at com. Tune in next Tuesday. We're going to have another value-driven episode. I'm Rick Gerard, your host, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha.
0: Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio
1: with your guide to hiring success. Rick Gerard.